This is Authors in Focus. Hi, I'm James Reed, a fantasy author publishing under JMD Reed. The first volume of my epic 12-book fantasy series, Shadow of the Dragons, is available for purchase. Check out Foundation of Courage. Today, I'm joined by Thomas Cast. He is the author of The Great Convergence. How are you doing today, Thomas? Not bad, thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. It's uh, starting to get warm in my house because it's now noon here, where, or it's like 11.30 where I am, so it's, you know, the day's starting to get warm, but other than that, it's nice. How about you? How's things over there in uh, Switzerland? Nice. Most of the time. Uh, occasionally there's there's a little bit of rain, but actually uh, uh, it was pretty warm over the last couple of couple of days. Too warm to my taste, but it's you know it's Switzerland, so it's usually nice. Yeah, it's kind of like here. We kind of don't get too warm. I'm um I'm on the west coast, so we have that sort of maritime. It's like England. Oh. Our my, our climate's identical to England, so we get not hot, but lots of rain. So and then. And gloomy weather, so we, we went about it a lot. Hopefully your food is better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, I like to start these uh, interviews off with a uh, dumb question or two. So, Thomas, uh, what is your favorite season of the year? Uh, autumn. Because, oh. yes, uh, because uh, the leaves are beautiful. The, the, we get all the colors Golden brown, uh, red, orange, and, and whatnot. Also, the weather is nice, not too hot, not too warm. And it's uh, one of those intermediary uh, states that, you know, in some way make you comp- contemplate uh, uh, the meaning of life and things. Yeah. Like autumn's always, like, the mountains are always really beautiful in autumn, I find. Like, yes. Um, well, summer is uh, or at least... Fashion. Yeah, uh, winter is, uh, I don't know, also uh, something. Yeah, yeah. That's a, you, probably get a, you probably get quite a bit of snow up there, right? Yes, quite yeah. a lot. I mean, not, not recently because of, because of the global warming, so it's not as, not, not, not as nice as it should be, but and also Zurich is located in, in a valley. So oh, okay. there's like uh, lots of sludge, you know, this kind of stuff. But if you go up up, up in mountains, it's absolutely beautiful. Like a couple of meters of pure white snow, and it's, it's absolutely stunning. Just, just, just amazing. I still, I still prefer the autumn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got you. That's why, that's why I like it here. It snows like every three years where I live. Right. Uh, but when it does that snow, it it um it disrupts everything because we don't know how to handle having like six inches of snow on the ground. Oh my! Yeah. Oh. It's like I said, we only get snow every like three or four years. Okay. Yeah. So uh, so our winters are like they're they get down to I don't know probably like um in five or seven Celsius is usually where it's at. So it doesn't quite get to freeze, mm-hmm. but you know it's, it's ni- a little nippy, but um. And the way our weather works is like the warm, like the wet air brings the warmth, and the cold air drives away the warmth. So like when it gets really cold here, there's no clouds because it pushes all the weather from Hawaii away. So it's kind of like it takes some weird circumstances to get like both wet and cold where I'm at, so we can get snow. Um, at least at my elevation, obviously the mountains get you know ton of snow. <laughs> but but anyways, let's uh 
So enough talking about snow and weather. Let's talk about writing and kind of like your uh, how you became an author. Like, how did that happen? Did you always want to be an author, or did it just like one day you're just like, you know what, I want to write a book? It was it was uh, a part of what I do on a different way. I'm an artist by by profession, and uh, I uh, I've been a painter. Then I switched to illustration for professional reasons. And uh, what I basically do is storytelling. Uh, only it's, it's visual storytelling. At the same time, I was jotting down a myriad of thoughts and, and ideas, and when I accumulated. Enough, I decided it's time to do something with it. And I came up with the, with the concept of the Great Convergence. And uh, I've been writing it for, I think, 10 years, it, it took me. But, you know, you have to, you have to, you are, it wasn't like constant working on the book. Uh, it was on and off. And it went through several iterations, uh, several editors. And I, 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 those times, I just completely, like, I don't know, um, lost interest in it for, for, I don't know, a year or two. And then yeah, I picked it up. And, Eventually, after 10 years of, of uh, the tug of war, so, so, to, so to speak, I, I completed it and now it's uh, thrown out into the wild. Thrown out into the wild. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good way to describe indie publishing. You just uh, you hit that, that button on, on Amazon's webpage and then you just like fling it out there and hope someone finds it. Yeah, well, it wasn't that it wasn't that easy actually, but uh, more or less. I mean, yeah. there's, there's, there's a lot to consider. There's, there's, there's formatting and, and whatnot. Yeah, I, I designed the cover, cover uh, myself, which is which is nice uh, because that's what I do basically. And I yeah. I, I think it kind of uh, uh, the cover and, and the book work together. Yeah, that's good. That's um, that can be a big expense. Like, like the two biggest expenses, like getting your book ready, is like the cover and the editing, you know, if you want, like, to have a, a good cover, right? But if you can make your own covers and they're actually, you know, good, because I have a friend, she can do her own. She can paint and do her own, like, like photo bashing, you know, for covers mm. and stuff. So she's really good at that. So she can make her own covers. But me, nice. no, no, I can't. I cannot make my own covers. So okay. it's, uh, it's a good. But um, so uh, let's talk about this novel, The Great Convergence. Which, um, where I love this, so it's a cantankerous scholar who's from the year, I believe, 10 million and two. Yes. And he travels back to present day, faces nemesis Scott. And, uh, that right there made me kind of want to read your book. Just the fact it's 10 million and two is really hilarious. And then the fact his nemesis is Scott, I love it. So tell us about our cantankerous scholar, Scott, and kind of what your book is about. Uh, my book is about rivalry and stupidity, short-sightedness, about humanity, and basically I try to answer all, all the deep philosophical questions in a um, kind of jocular way. Okay. So uh, the story is narrated from, from uh, the point of view of one, one of the characters, the, uh, the, this, the, the, this, the, the scientist who is trying to unravel the mystery of the Great Convergence. And he's, uh, he's stuck in a dead-end job. Uh, he, uh, he's biased. He lies most of the time, at least bends the truth. And the thing is, you have to read between the lines to understand what's really going on. You can't trust this guy. And he's narrating the story. Uh, what he really wants is tenure, basically. He sold out Scott. 
And for that, they are both willing to sacrifice absolutely everything. And what they end up doing is uh, uh, dismantling reality beyond any recognition. But what the hell? I want the tenny, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it. And you have to, you have to remember these guys are from, you know, uh, 10 million years in the future. So basically they, they can do almost anything they want. And they do. And, um, I think what's interesting, uh, although most of, of, of the book, most of the action takes place in 2022, uh, which is when the great, great convergence takes place, through the flashbacks, uh, the reader can learn about the distant future. And I, I, I give a very clear depiction of what that might be. So, you have fountain that spews time instead of water. There are several different streams of, of time. And, and there's, uh, there's, there's a funny story about it. They have time machines. Everybody has a time machine in the garage. And they, they, they travel. There is, by the way, there's, there's, there's an appendix at the, uh, at the end of the book uh, where I relate the history of time travel, if anybody's interested, because it became a really common place 10 million years in the future. They, uh, they, uh, breed universes, uh, so they have something to experiment on. And sometimes these universes are already damaged, so they can, uh, I don't know, do something, uh, something specially crazy. And, uh, yes, yeah, so, so this is more or less, this, this is the future. M- m- much of what's going on is, is unexplained. So, for example, the, the, the time travelers, they always take with them amphibians in uh, in a round fishbowl. Why? You, nobody knows, uh, but the, the amphibians po- possess uh, some some sort of ma- magical powers. I mean, it's all science, okay? You just you just don't know what, what what's going what's going on. I think what I was trying to to do is to create a world that is uh, really complex, inexplicable. Uh, and at the same time, uh, you have you have some uh, you, you can uh, anchor it in, in some sort of reality. So it's not just mythology for the sake of mythology, and it's rooted in, in grounded in some 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 sort of uh, uh, something something tangible. Now, I guess I I, I I digress a lot. Oh, that's all right. Um, so I kind of find it horrifying that time travel is so common, like everyone can have it. Yes. That's that's disturbing. <laughs> I know it, it's fun actually. I mean, some, for example, the 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 narrator, the the, the main character, the movie, he hates it. He absolutely hates it. You, you know, if if he could have it, he would stay at a university and, and work on his stuff all day long. But you know, his wife, for example, he. She uh, she forces him to travel here and there on vacation, whatnot, and he absolutely abhors it. Okay, okay. And um, so he's gone back to 2022 to yes. fight his nemesis just so he can have job security in the future. Well, basically, well, they don't really fight; they sabotage each other's uh, research. Okay. Uh, okay. And they, 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 you know, you, you can sense they, they have, they have a history, and it's revealed uh, in the course of the, you know, in the course of the book, in the flashbacks, the narrator takes about his relation to, to Scott, and um, you, you have to, I mean, he gives you his side of the story, but I think the reader can understand that Scott's version of the story would be somewhat different. 
Yeah, Basically, yeah. That, they both are highly irresponsible people doing um, irresponsible things just to get what they want. No, I get that. Sounds very, uh, very human. <laughs> so, where did the idea come from to have this sort of a for the story? Uh, well, I read a lot, obviously, and I didn't like most of what I read. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, for instance, I I, I envisioned visions. Uh, I, I read about visions of of the future, like um, uh, two thousand two thousand years from now or three thousand years from now. But you know, it's always something you, you can grasp and imagine. Okay, so I wanted to create something that is absolutely you know, beyond any any um, any understanding. So let's say ten million years. Okay, and you can do absolutely anything. So uh, that was one thing. Uh, I also wanted to create um, a satire for for humanity. Most of uh, literature I've, I've encountered, I, I read uh, also the films and, and shows. They have one thing in common: they, they are, especially the, the the new science fiction, is is created according to some sort of a template. Netflix has a template. There's uh, there's the uh, Dan Harmon Circle, I believe it's called. So basically, your your hero has to start the journey. Then he, um, and then there is a, there is an obstacle. He has to overcome the obstacle or not. And uh, sooner or later, he, he gets into the new normal uh, level. I, I I believe this is this is the the, the, the terminology. Long story short, uh, it's all pretty much the same. So I wanted to do something completely different. Okay, and uh, there, there are quite many characters in the book, uh, apart from the from the two scholars battling for for for, for, for tenure. There is uh, uh, Larry, who is art art heading art critic. He is uh, he is a singular. What's a singular is uh, a singular is a person who inhabits only one universe at the time, and we all have doppelgangers in different realities. But this guy is is only one. Okay. Multiverse, and he jumps between universes and realities and wreaks havoc wherever he appears. He doesn't know that. He's completely unaware. You know, most of the universe, universes differ insignificantly, yeah? But still, he, he ends up in places he shouldn't be. At all, there is Jeffrey, who is a talentless artist, who creates uh, really weird sculptures. And unbeknownst to him, these sculptures act as portals to different realities. Again, he has he has he has no clue what, what he's really doing. He's basically trying to impress his, his girlfriend. Uh, and then there is uh, Timothy, who is schizophrenic um, astrophysicist. He uh, he is the one who came up with the concept of great convergence, and he's battling several versions of himself coming from different realities. And the catch is, the reader doesn't know whether these versions of Timothy are real or not. Nobody knows what's really going on in his head. Everything is... Uh, uh, I mean, when, when you read about Timothy, you you get into his head, basically. You, you see what he sees. And again, you can't trust him. Okay? okay. Uh, so, uh, again, there's, there's many interconnecting timelines, and it's, it's really hard to say whether... Uh, the ending is good or bad. It's 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 weird. It's strange, and <laughs> everybody changes. And they they they, you can say they they have goals they strive for, but uh, whether they achieve the goals, uh, hard to say. 
Also, what I wanted to do is to infuse uh, the book with a little bit of philosophy. Uh, I wanted the, I wanted the Break of Ages to be something you can read and reread and um, think about. I mean, you, you don't have to follow uh, the, the, the characters. What is important is what's happening to them. You have to, I guess, um, the reader has to uh, feel for them. And by the way, they're, they're quite obnoxious, okay? Most of them, they are, <laughs> they are horrible people. And they have many faults. And uh, but for what I what I wanted to do uh, is to make the reader root for them. Okay, uh, feel what they feel. I feel the frustrations, and, and uh, I hope uh, you can see a little bit of yourself in each of my, each of my characters. So it's of course it's full of humour. And most of a lot of science fiction, like Asimov, I think, is, is completely humorless. Okay, or Dune. <laughs> uh, just, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing stuff I, I don't like. And this is oh, you don't like story. Dune? Oh. oh my God! Look, don't, don't even get me started. <laughs> you know, the thing with Dune is uh, they they are paper cut people. They're not real people. So let's take uh, what's his name, uh, Paul. He's perfect. From from the very beginning, he's, he's, he's just a perfect human being. He's righteous, and he trains to be I don't know a duke or king or, or something. And he doesn't do, do anything that no, no more teenager would like. You know, fall, fall in love, think about stupid things, play games. No, no, he's, he's, he's going through tests and whatnot. And then he gets better and better and wiser and, 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 and more magnificent. It, I, it, except for Paul Fells. His, everything he tries to do is to stop, you know, this this coming jihad that's going to spill blood across the entire universe and nothing he can do can stop it. And in the end, he dies a blind failure out in the desert. Oh, that's good. OK. <laughs> like you like you like I, like the whole point of the whole point of the Dune books is that like even the best of us still can not, you know, achieve that. Utopia. This was all a critique of um, the cult of personality around politicians like uh, Kennedy. It was like, yeah, he might be, you might think he's a great man, he might even be a great man, but that doesn't mean he can stop the will of history and the inevitability of, of you know, all these forces that are pushing pressure on how society changes from, you know, economics to societal to religious to, you know, politics, all that stuff. Um, and so in the end, he failed. Uh, Joseph Conrad wrote this uh, several years before, Lord Jim. This is exactly the same idea, and Lord Jim, the, the title here of, of the book, fails miserably, and he's, he's a perfect guy, perfect guy. Only, I think, Joseph Conrad made his point in a very concise way. Now, June is full of, you know, what I have, this, again, my personal... That's fine, yeah. ...full of uh, law and mythology that doesn't really go anywhere. It's like, you know, Facts and facts and facts, but very little in terms of emotional development. I, I don't I don't feel this guy, Paul. Okay, he's, he's like beyond. I don't know. I, I like um, I like characters I can relate to. I don't care if they're good, they're bad, they are stupid or whatnot. But you know they have to be real people. And Paul is not. <laughs> Whatever Paul is, Paul is Paul is a guy we all would like to be, but we are not. And I, I write about people uh, that we are. Okay, so that's that's my problem with Dune. Also, there's there's no humor in humor in, in Dune. It's 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 really dry. I'll give you that. There's no humor in Dune. 
Yeah, and it's, it's so profound, you know, everything is like so important, and it's black and blind, it's black and white, and he's the good guys, he's the bad guys, and then, you know, it goes on and on and on. So, also, I think it's, it's, it's just like, it's a book, yeah? So, uh, but this is, again, uh, reading uh, things like Dune and uh, Asimov, I thought, oh, my God, um, <laughs> let's, let's do something else. Uh, which is uh, why I like uh, Kurt Vonnegut, for example. Okay. So, Thomas, yes. you want to like let our listeners know where they can connect with you on the internet? Sure. You can look me up on Amazon. Uh, Thomas Cast, uh, the, the Great Convergence. You can uh, see my website, www.thomascast.com, K-A-S-T. And I also do a philosophical comic book series. It's all there. Uh, it's just uh, much, much weirder than my book. And uh, I completely let my imagination run wild with this one. So you can have a look. Uh, you can learn about my photography projects. I've been working as an independent photojournalist before COVID hit. I published uh, a, few, a few albums. So it's all my website. Awesome. Well, it was really great chatting with you. Okay, likewise. Yeah, so you have yourself a great day, or a great evening, actually, because it's evening, right? Yes, it is. Thank you very much. Yeah, you have a good one. Thanks. This has been Authors in Focus. You can find my fantasy novels on Amazon. Follow news of my writing at my blog, jmd-read.com. And follow me on Twitter at JMD Read. You can also join my reader group on Facebook, Fantastical Worlds of the Imagination. You can find more episodes of the podcast at fantasy-focus.com or wherever your favorite podcast is hosted. <laughs>